Hey guys, it's Sunday, June 5th. Um, Zach and I are starting a new movement. It's big sunglasses inside vibes now. Um, I don't know if y'all that are listening are in Florida right now, but it's very bright outside. Even when you're inside, it's bright, very hot. So we're just rocking sunglasses inside now. We're gonna start that trend. We're gonna we're gonna be the trendsetters. Um, maybe we'll get some clocks on the stove specialized glasses who knows what's in the foreseeable future but um it won't be five dollar plastic i would love to give a shout out to some glasses companies but we don't have any sponsors so if you're a sunglass company that wants a little bit of love (laughs) and some good advertising and some good sports fans to wear some good glasses hit us up man hit us up we'd love to rock some glasses inside or outside you know so um yeah that's let's move on with that Let's talk some Rafael Nadal, the king of clay, um, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. This morning, he just sealed the deal and won the French Open. Again. And um, going through this, he did not have it easy. I mean, his quarterfinals match was Djokovic. And I don't if, if you don't know tennis or you don't know, like, anything about the sport at all, that is, like, arguably the best guy in the world right now. But, but Nadal – is the king of clay and Nadal beat Djokovic in the first set 6-2 which snapped Djokovic's 22 sets win streak he hasn't he didn't lose a set for 22 sets in a row before that and Nadal Nadal beat him and ended that it was a spectacular match extremely fun to watch but Nadal's the king of clay and he won oh, he won he won 6-2, lost 4-6, won 6-2, and then won 7-6 on a 7-4 tiebreak. And then he goes on to play. So Djokovic was the one seed, was number one in the world. He was number five. Semifinals, he has – I'm probably not saying this correctly, but he's, he's German, uh, Zverev. And uh, Nadal was beating him 7-6, 10-8 on tiebreak. And then it was 6-6 tied in the second set, and he broke his ankle. Not Nadal, Zverev, or whatever, how you say his name. <clears throat> he broke his ankle and the match got retired and the win went to Nadal. And in the interview, Nadal was like, yo, I am not, I don't count this as legitimate. He's like, I want to, I wanted to win fair and square. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to win this. Like I, he's not happy with it, you know? And it goes on this morning and just absolutely destroys Casper uh, Rudd, 636360 and wins the French open. And um, we're looking at some stats on, on Rafael Nadal and um, it's actually kind of insane when you look at it. His overall yeah. record, counting clay and regular, 1,051 and 212 is his record. 91, yeah, single titles, 91 single titles, 11 double titles. And he's very handsome. Very handsome. Yes. Man. Yes. He's, he's got a good build to him. I like his stout nature. Yeah, it's very uh, honorable. Zach found some of these stats. You want to read off some of these uh, clay stats we got here, Zach? Yeah, you know, I'm not the most um, deeply knowledged in the game of tennis, but I do respect the sport a lot. I think returning a serve is one of the hardest things to do in all sports. But, I mean, Nadal's record just on clay is 464 and 43. So, just in finals. Or, no, that's overall. Just in finals, though, he's 62 and 8. So, once he gets there, he's pretty much winning the whole thing, and he's pretty much won every time he stepped on clay. 
Um, we actually found a website when we were doing our research that is completely dedicated to his statistics on just clay alone. And I think we were looking through it. I'll try to pull it up right now. Now, when does this date all the way back to? I'm pretty, uh, it's February 10th. So it doesn't count this tournament. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 13 consecutive clay court titles. He's one of the most French open titles ever, like ever. Um, he's the most consistent player in the open era. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's without a doubt. The man's consistently always on top of his game. He's been there year in, year out. He's pretty much tennis's LeBron James. Like, just always there. Always fucking winning titles. It's ridiculous. I honestly, when I look at tennis, I wish I could get more into it as a fan. But um, the only times I've ever tried it, what I came to my conclusion with is returning a serve is damn near fucking impossible. I mean, I'm pretty sure they serve at upwards of 100 miles an hour. Like, that. that's a standard MLB fastball. Probably even way faster than that. Yeah, but Zach, so, about, about Nadal, too, is, is like, yeah, his physical traits are, are unmatched. But he, I was talking to our friend Gunther who played tennis, and, like, he's probably the most disciplined, mentally disciplined athlete in the entire planet, at least in his given what he needs to be disciplined in. And he'll be down sets 5-0 and come back and win them. Like, he, he's very unfazed. And something that uh, I didn't know about him, he's never smashed a racket in his entire career. He's never smashed a racket. And, and in the sport of tennis, that's, like, super disgraceful because it like looks bad on you looks bad on your coaches looks bad on your fans like it's like a very bad thing to do Djokovic actually smashed his racket when Nadal beat him which is crazy but he's like such a such a good dude he doesn't get mentally phased like it, it's so hard to play him like especially on clay and because you can't get in his head you can get a big lead and he's, he's unfazed like he's so calm you don't see him get mad his composure's top notch and like it reminds me of Usman in the octagon like he's never faced his composure is, is gorgeous um and his physical attributes are there as well as you as you were saying and the thing about it is like if you don't know the difference between regular regular court and clay is like you can't stick in clay like it's you slide like it's it's like a, it's it's harder it's harder in a context and the way he's able to just completely dominate it and like what like he the number one guy and like his brackets aren't easy he had the number one guy in the world in the quarterfinals, that's top 16. That's yeah. crazy, you know? So. I mean, even looking at the courts and, like, how much they impact the game, I mean, the guy that ended up breaking his ankle, like, that's literally just from court conditions. Like, you go from where you can plant plant from side to side and be able to, go, be able to like, transition easier. When you're on clay, you slide. Like, you're sliding across. Like, you can't plant as easy. If you put too much weight on your foot, like, injury like that can happen. So you see how um, – the elements, especially like the core conditions are really impactful for players like this, but it's just crazy and, to see. And the one thing that I love about tennis too, is it's just nonstop, you know, and that's one reason like some people don't watch baseball or like some basketball games with fouls, but like, but tennis is just like back and forth. And some of those matches are long, bro. Like long is. you don't, you don't like, unless you really follow tennis, if you don't know tennis, like it is extremely cardiovascular heavy. And like, you would have never expected that, but like, the Djokovic versus um versus the doll match was four hours and eleven minutes. Four hours and there's not a halftime, there's not an intermission. Like there's like a two minute switch sides, drink some water, but like that is four hours of tennis. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time staying awake for a three hour movie. I couldn't imagine having to commit to something for that long. That's ridiculous. I'm assuming and like I mean, you have to have like snacks and electrolytes because there's no way you can go that long using that much energy without feeling your body. Like you just there's no way. Yeah. I'd actually, I don't know. I feel like it'd be interesting to see like what like specific 
diet things they have with them on court or like what they're allowed to have with them because like i'm sure there's some things they probably oh no yeah you're right have. i bet they can't have caffeine like i bet they're not allowed to have caffeine i know when when we fight we're not allowed to have caffeine back there they'll, they'll take it from you really yeah you're not allowed to have caffeine it's considered like a i don't know a pd maybe I don't, I, both my fights i saw two kids get kicked out because they they were drinking a celsius <laughs> yeah yeah That's but back to your serve thing i do want to talk about so if we combine all sports together in like a category, what would you say in, in your top three in order are the hardest specific things to do in sports? I mean, from what I was able to come up with, it's kind of hard. Cause like <clears throat> I've tried as many sports as I could like growing up, like I just wanted to try everything and see what I liked the most, but hockey just, First of all, hockey as a sport is insane to me. You're skating as fast as humanly possible. Every single person on the ice is over six foot, can fucking throw hands, which I think is insane. Yeah, yeah, I can't even stand on skates, first of all. Like, uh, when I go ice skating, like, I'm the guy that's, like, close to the wall at the beginning, and, like, I might, like, get out towards center ice. I'm 22 years old, and I still hold on to the wall. Like, I don't yeah. even enjoy it going. I don't even, like, when people are like, let's go ice skating, like, fuck. Yeah, and there is no way in the world you could have convinced me from doing that to just be like, oh, yeah, now you want to go play with, like, six, five men that are going to absolutely throw bodies for three yeah. periods, 20 minutes each. Like, no, like, absolutely so It's not. a sport. You have to learn a sport just to play this sport. Yes, yes, so, like, which, so that's obviously one of the hardest things, in my opinion. The second thing for me, um, I, it's kind of hard because I speak, from bias and experience but hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do like especially the higher higher up you go um like once you get to the majors i don't know how they do it like guys are consistently throwing over 100 miles an hour or you see breaking pitches with upwards of 2000 rpms just snapping off at a moment's notice like pitchers now have repertoires with like six seven pitch mixes like i don't know how you're able to have a mindset going into the box and are able to execute, especially at this stage anymore. Like, I just think they're too good. And lastly, uh, I'll have to stand on this. I think returning a serve in tennis is still one of the hardest things to do. I mean, you look at Jokovic, who's like, what, six, six, probably even taller. And that man serves at like 120 miles an hour at you. And you got to deal with that for four hours. Um, I would much rather do anything else. So I think those three are like cemented. He's like six, two. Six two. I'm thinking of Zarev. He's six six six. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's, you're right. He's actually six six though. Like lanky ass, well, a German motherfucker. Well, for how hard Jokovic hits it, it probably feels like he's six six anyway. Because yeah. that I don't think I don't think it presence. changes anything. Uh, I don't think it changes. Anything. Yeah, yeah. So it's still so hard as fuck. Very similar list to you, Zach. Mine's just a tad bit different. So I have number one, the hardest thing to do is hitting a baseball in MLB. And, and it's just mentally hard. It's physically hard. Like that, like when we go went on the rant the other day about why, um, what's his name? Uh, Barry Bonds should still be in the MLB. It's not because steroids doesn't make you able to make contact with the baseball. Like, yeah, he's hitting it farther, but he's not, yeah. it, it didn't make him start making contact with the baseball. It's, it's, yeah. it, it's so hard that even if you're on steroids, you can still strike out a bat every time. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane to think that you're, what, 60 feet away, 60 yards away? Oh, 60 oh. feet, six inches. Yeah. From, 60 feet, six from an inches. object this big flying at you 100 miles an hour. Yeah. In a space. Yeah, I, mean, I think the best quote ever, uh, I forget who it's by, but it's really the whole concept of baseball is you're taking a round ball and a round bat and you're trying to square it up. 
Like, yeah. it, it really doesn't make sense, but I mean, it's literally like the most simple concept of sport. It's literally ball, stick, run around. Like, yeah, that's it's it. the most it's straight, so it's the most straightforward, simple task, but it is yeah. so, so, so hard. So hard. You know, oh, now that I think about it, I golf seems so fucking straightforward, but that that honestly might might be in my top. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying golf is easy in any sense, but like I suck. It's a little leisurely. Bad. It's a little leisurely. You know, it's a little leisurely. To be honest, Anyways. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever felt happiness on a golf course. <laughs> I, I don't understand the leisure aspect of that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, you just gotta get drunk, I guess. But um, so my number two is stopping a takedown from an elite wrestler, either in in wrestling or in MMA. Like if you get Khabib, he's gonna grab you. Like I don't care. Like you guys got Connor spent a whole year preparing for one specific thing. You got guys like Justin Gaethje, who when he was a Division One wrestler at UNC North, like Northern Colorado, he w- wrestled Jordan Burroughs and didn't give up a takedown, and Khabib still took him down. Like it's just like. It's one of those things that's kind of straightforward and people that have no fighting experience think it's so easy. And you like if if they grab you, you're done. They can grab a toe, they can grab a finger. If they grab you, they're gonna climb you up and you're done. I don't care. You can try running, you can like it's just it's so impossible. You can inevitably get away from good boxing, keep out with kicks. Good kicks are really hard too, but nothing's harder than a takedown. I'm sorry. I think that's number three. And then number three is kind of a tie. I think it's I think it's covering a fast ass deep uh, wide receiver as a DB in the NFL, like like man coverage press, or like you said, returning a serve from a world class tennis player. I just I, and there's a lot of other things that you could argue and put into this. I'm just saying those are my yeah. Three. I feel like especially in football, DB has to be the hardest position because like you're or failing. center or center 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 is also extremely yeah. extremely hard. Center center is a lot of. Center is very difficult. I'm not taking that away. There's more um, of a leadership I, role than DB. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But when I look at DBs, it's literally like you just have to read and react on hips. And these are world-class athletes. Like these are the fastest men on the planet with the best hands. And you're expected to run stride for stride. And especially now as NFL, um, you even put hands on them, like it's flagged. So like you have to literally mirror someone as an athlete day or weekend week out and you're having to cover multiple receivers. Like usually if you're a number one, you're going to get the same guy the whole time. Like you're going to follow him around on Island. But if you're one of those slot guys that have to bounce around, work through like multiple different receivers, like you have a hard ass fucking job. Bro, you know, you know, like I always have a coach that used to say, like, you don't really understand how difficult defensive back is. You're going against a man who knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows the route he's running. He knows the play. He knows where everyone's blocking. He knows what's going on. And then you put another man who's the same build, same size relatively, and you put him in front of him, and you have to be like, guess what's going to happen and make sure he doesn't catch the ball. So you yeah. have no you, – you, you, DB – like this is what my coach would say. DB, you start off losing before the play starts. You, you start off as the underdog before the play starts every time because you don't know what the, what the hell is going to happen. They know everything. You know, yeah, they have to sell it and they have to run a good route and you can jam them up and stuff, but – before the play starts, you were losing going into it because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, and I mean, like, I think I reached people that are running four two nines. Like, you can yeah. know they're running a go route and they could just dust you, especially if it's man coverage, which usually you're not going to put man coverage on that. But like I'm saying, if you do. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the roles and responsibilities of a DB. Like, yeah, you might be like, all right, you have inside leverage or you might have safety help over the top. So, like, you know, like, which way to kind of like work the route. But at the same time, like, 
those are very like broad tasks they're asking you to take care of like so many different routes like attack yeah. certain combinations and leverage and if like, I, oh by the way it, you're usually 6'1 185 yeah by the way if derrick henry breaks it outside you have to tackle him you have oh to yeah him. You yes have to him. you're the you're the last line of defense so good luck yeah yeah you yeah. have no you have no chance i'm uh, yeah i i definitely am not built for that and uh anyone who is um good luck shout out to dan belton um Shout moving on Bellum, baby yes sir um moving on though speaking of the nfl we'll get into some sad nfl news ryan fitzpatrick has announced his retirement after an illustrious 17 nfl seasons retired at age 39 he's played for over nine teams in his career he finished with just under 35,000 passing yards over 220 touchdowns and i think he finished like an 82.3 pass rating he is the people's champ, in my opinion. Um, I will be honest, though, something about Fitz Magic. I don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, I don't think he'll be a player that'll be easily forgotten. Like he was such a people's champ, like all the time, and especially for like he's all the, the best he four week starting quarterback ever. Yes. So that actually is perfect because it'll get us right into the fit cycle of life, um, as I like to call it. So Throughout his career, he kind of had the same route he would take with, like, every team he's been on. And that's always get signed as a backup. Something would happen to the starter. So he'd be thrown into the game. He'd play really fucking good, get banked, and then right when he has expectations, completely fucking sell. Like, every time. So then, he, so then they're like, all right, we acknowledge this guy's bad. Fuck it. Like, we'll just sell him off to another team, get sold off. Another team's like, hey. What what do you got? Starter gets injured. He fucking comes in, comes in for the Bucks, wearing the fucking chains, chest hair. John Jackson's like, gear, yeah. Yeah. Bro, and I mean, the resume is too deep to not give him a chance because, I mean, you look at it, he's got that Harvard mind. No, see, and that's the thing is, is, is at first they were like, is he still good? And then, and then afterwards it became like, we need a veteran leader for our younger quarterback. And then that's the fucking ball. Yeah, and he was still yeah. good. He's a great – he is a, a, a beautiful backup quarterback. He's probably yes. arguably one of the best backup quarterbacks, like total package wise, ever, ever. Yes, he, he would. He would if you needed him for three games. He's going to win those three games, okay. And if you got a young Jameis, you got a young guy. He knows the ropes. He's played on nine teams. He's played on. He played on the Rams, Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins, and Washington. So he's he know he knows it, and he brings a lot of fans into the game. He's a very likable dude. I mean, like it's hard not to like Fitz Magic. I mean, I've never heard a bad story about him. And I know, I know, I know that you're you're like when you talk about favorite memories, you think of the Deshaun Jackson memory. But um, mine's a little different, Zach. Mine's a mm. little, mine's a little bit different. Mine is uh, when he was the quarterback for the Jets, and the Jets tied the game and went into overtime with the Patriots. And Fitzmagic chose defense first because they knew Tom couldn't close, and they stopped them. And he scored a touchdown and beat the Patriots in overtime with the Jets. That was that was probably my favorite Fitz Magic moment ever, personally. Yeah, um, I don't know how I could forget about that. Uh, I don't know why, but um, definitely some major cojones um, from Fitz Magic right there. Big cojones. Yeah, he said, we want time. defense. You know? We want defense. That Belichick yeah. offense ain't nothing. We want defense. Yeah, and that, then he that's scored. That's a guy that's got some notoriety. Yeah, bro. He's got some. He's got some notoriety on him. Now, listen. I know we said he's probably not going to go to the Hall of Fame, which is true. It's not like a 
a diss on him. He just he, he didn't really start, you know. And like the Hall of Fame, Hall of Great, Hall of Great, Hall of Great, yeah, Hall of, Hall of Great, Hall of Rememberable, Hall of Rememberable. But <laughs> he could definitely be on a cereal box. I could definitely see mm. him on a cereal box. And where I'm going with this is with cereal, with breakfast being the most important meal of the day, Zach, and 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 cereal being a very sports related breakfast due to like being on the boxes. What would you say is your top five all-time cereal? You know, when I was looking at this and I was thinking top five cereals, I still wanted to incorporate Ryan Fitzpatrick into this. So I'm going to go with the top five cereals that I could imagine Ryan Fitzpatrick on. Okay, I like, so, I like this game. So for number one, I'm going to go Wheaties. That's your just yeah, traditional, like trash cereal, trade. though. Trash cereal. Oh, but it doesn't matter. It, it's the, it's like boxing. Like no one really gives a fuck about boxing, but just the fact that like it's Wheaties, like yeah. it's like you're on the Wheaties box. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, you that's got a belt. yeah, you got a belt. Um, number two, I'm going to go with regular Cheerios, the low correct cholesterol. When I think of those, I think of just straight fiber, like fill you up in the morning. Like that's the kind your of guy. Moms, your mom's that, that. Dude, yeah, that this this is what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Like he is that guy that like shit's falling apart. Like you think you're gonna lose some games. Fitzmagic's there to save your day. Damn, bro, you wake I up eggs and bacon. I need a good breakfast. Oh, we still got the who's got your back? Cheerios. Who's got your back? Number three, number three. This is specifically just for how good looking he is. I could see him on a special K brand, specifically garnered towards women. Because you know back you see a, yeah, back to the you mom. see a. You see a strong man with a great beard on a special K box, like main, you're, you're drawn. I mean, even even as a man, like I like I have a hard time being like, why would I not want to be like that if I would eat special K? Like, like that is like yeah, no, nah, I want to eat special K. Yeah, special K. If you need a sponsor, I got you. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple more, but one more off the top of my head, and this is just direct correlation with his playing career. I'm gonna go with Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes is always uh, that been might be there. the most realistic, actually. Yes, I might be the most gamers. Realistic. Yeah, you think of Frosted Flakes, get your head in the game. They're great. They sponsor That's the NFL. I believe. I believe they're a sponsor of the NFL. Yeah, I could so but You look at so you heard it here first. By the way, if that happens, you heard it here first. Yes, yes. But those are my top three. I think they fit. I think um, you put four. Or yeah, four. Whatever. I can't count. We know I'm not good at math. But anyway, that for me. Cereals, Fitzmagic, get on it. Oh, got my five. Lucky Charms, Fitzmagic. Oh, yeah. Fitzmagic. Yeah. Damn. You put a little like, you put a little like Ryan Fitzpatrick face in my bowl of Lucky Charms. How are you not going to win the day? Damn. Damn. Good luck. It for, it'll, it'll only give you luck four times. Yes. My top. Yeah, but then five. you. Yeah, but then the moment you start like relying on that cereal to pick you up, it's guaranteed gonna taste like shit. Like, guaranteed. It's gotta be a backup cereal. <laughs> your main box. It's gotta be your run. You run out of your frosted flakes. Your Fitzpatrick, Lucky Charms got to be in the bag. They might be a little expired, and you might be like on your last hope, and you're like, please don't have mold on them, and then they're just gonna be perfect. So just my, the perfect my top five in no order and no correlation to Ryan Fitzmagic. I'm going no order. Putting Reese's 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 piece, Reese's cups in there. Reese's pieces, whatever Reese's 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 puffs. puffs. I'm putting um, Lucky Charms. I'm putting Life cereal. 
I'm any any it. certain type of life cereal specifically. The OG mm. Mama Watts top shelf need some snack late at night. You got the life box cereal. You need you need the fiber. You got the yeah. fiber. Um, number four, I'm going with any flavor frosted mini wheats. Mm. Any flavor, so, the blueberry, strawberry, the regular. If they're mini uh, wheats with frosting on them, they're yummy. Okay. You see, I had a thing with this, and I'll <laughs> let you continue. I could only eat the chocolate frosted mini wheats as like a dessert. <laughs> Cause like, dude, I couldn't take it in the morning, bro. Like, I get all that chocolate, and I, I, bro, I would, I would just get so, like, I'd eat all that chocolate in the fucking morning, and I'd have to go to like seven a.m. math class, and I'd just be like, like zoned out, like, oh my god, like I'm not doing this. Now, 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 you take OG, you take blueberry, you take strawberry. That's a seven a.m. snack. That's yeah. a that's a pop tart. That's yeah. that's what we call a pop tart pick me up right there. You just like in first period, like, bro. I feel like shit right now. <laughs> I don't know why I feel bad. I just ate probably like three whole bowls of frosted mini wheats, but beats me. My number five. Last but not least, the most OG of the OGs. Honey nut Cheerios with honey the bee on it. Mm. Those are my those are my top five. Those yeah. are my top five. I don't I don't even think we need an explanation. We don't even need an explanation for Honey Nut at that five spot. So, now, uh, I will bring in oh, some honorable mentions. You're good. I'm going to bring up one honorable mention just because I feel like the fact that we didn't bring it up is disrespectful. Um, Rice Krispies has always yeah, been a yeah. cornerstone pebbles, in American fruity society. Pebbles, pebbles. You know, when you hear when you hear the word snack, crackle, and pop, like, that's OG. So that can't be left unsaid. So. Rice Krispies, I'm sorry you didn't make the list, but you're just not Fitzmagic. You, you're you probably greater, I'm, honestly. Like, I'm sorry, Ryan, but but when we talk about, like, hierarchy of life needs, we have Rice Krispies, like, upper echelon, and you might be, like, middle of the pack. But it's fair at the end of the day. So, Moving on. Oh, yeah, let's talk some NBA, Zach. Some Your Boston Celtics looking pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I got to be honest, uh, my superstition with the Celtics is I cannot watch them before halftime. Um, so I always miss the opening half of every game. Um, I'm glad I did for this one as well because uh, Steph Curry was hot and it was a very scary sight to watch, especially um, from the opening minutes. I think he had 21 in the first the quarter. Yes, this is where the man of the night comes in. Honestly, Big Al wasn't even my man of the night. If we're going to give the MVP of the night, I have to give it to Derek White. Whenever the Celtics... I thought you were about to say Tatum, and I was like, Tatum didn't do anything that game. We'll touch on him, because, you know, he's supposed to be a superstar, but he has his nights. But back to Derek White. Derek White, anytime the Celtics needed a big shot late in the game where they needed to close the lead, or like they were going on a run, or they needed to stop a run, he was the guy. Hitting threes, um, playmaking, cutting to the basket, kicking it out, like making the right pass every time. Like that man it was in full dad mode. Like once he had his kid and he has reached official dad mode, like it's over. Like, I'm sorry. The rest of the league is on watch right on pack watch right now. Cause the Celtics are hot. Um, Al Horford finally got to show who he is in the finals, which is what he's been waiting on. Honestly, God had to nerf him by not allowing him to get to the finals. But Al Horford is just such a G that he was like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to write my own destiny. So he's going to win finals MVP this year. Mark my words. See, I wanted and Miami to win so bad, but I felt so happy for Al too. 
Such a great guy. Al's a great guy. He's great looking. He just got everything going. Um, and he was a big part. I love that the role player stepped up. When you have a roster built like the Celtics, and the way what I mean by that is when you look at the roster, you recognize Tatum is the star. He's your A guy. He's the guy you're going to kick it to to get things going. He's your number one. Jalen Brown is the number two, and he's the number two for a fucking reason. Because when he came in in the fourth quarter to fuel that comeback, he was money. His mid-range game, his isolation, his passing, everything he did was perfect. And that's exactly what the Celtics need him for. When Tatum isn't having a game, I think he was um, – what was he shooting? Like two, three for 17 overall, only had 12 points. I mean, he did have 13 assists. He had great playmaking later in the game. You know, when you realize your shot's not falling, how can you still impact the game? Pass the ball to your fucking playmakers. Let them pick you up. Like, that's what happened. And that's fucking great team basketball, and I love to see it. You look at Marcus Smart doing his thing. I mean – Back to Al, Al had 26, I think, on the night. And, I mean, that was just great for him. His first uh, finals game, that's exactly what you want to see out of him. Although that was a great game one, I got to be honest, game two tonight, I'm not liking the Celtics' chances. I could see us winning, but we're talking about the Warriors. They've been to six finals in the last how many years? Don't couldn't tell you, but they've been to fucking a lot. They've been there before. They know what it pretty takes. Good. They're pretty good teams. basketball. Yeah, pretty good, I'd say. So um, I definitely don't think – yeah, they're definitely not losing two in a row at home. I want to see the Celtics play well, though. I need to see Tatum um, pick things back up, get back to who he is. And I just want to see the Celtics play good basketball. Hey, if you manage to take two, that's fucking awesome. I'm putting all my money on the sweep if that happens. But if not, guess what? Bounce back next game. Fucking take it to them. But that's all I got for some Celtics action. Game two tonight. So tune in for some Boston Celtics. And shout out Fast PP. You can never hold them. Grayson, you have some hockey to talk for us today. Do we not? Yeah, so actually in the next hour, the New York Rangers are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in game three. And it is not looked being Tampa fans, of course, because born and raised eight one three. Um, it is not looking too good for the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. So Lightning swept the Panthers, who were the number one team in the in the NHL according to the record. Swept them four zero. Okay, the Rangers came back one to three against uh, Carolina, and during the series. I was cheering for the Rangers because I thought they weren't as good as Carolina and I wanted them to win so the Lightning could just whoop them up. Because the other side of the bracket's hell. Calgary and, and, and Colorado, like, that's just – either team you play there is going to suck. You know, that's going to be a not fun series. So I was like, I at least want them to get yeah. easy conference championships that, that could be easier, and it has been nothing – it has been everything short of easy. I mean, they lost the first game 6-2. to two. Then they lose – they score the first goal in game two within, like – I think two minutes, maybe three minutes max, and then lose three to two. Down two to one the whole game, tie it up, and then still lose. And what what I think it is, Zach, first of all, the pressure that that I think first first and foremost, the 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 nine-day layoff is kicking the lightning's ass. It really is. They lost their rhythm a little, they lost their chemistry a little. And the Rangers started picking up at the end of the series. So they're just riding that high right now versus if they were if they were up like three one, blew it, and then won the game seven, I don't think they'd be as hot. But I think they're just feeling it. Their goalie, I don't I don't remember his name off rip. Disgusting. 
he's very he's very technically sound. But what what I'm what I'm seeing when I watch is the Rangers play the Lightning like how the Lightning play everybody else. It's it's on it's on our half of the ice every time, every second. Even if they're not scoring, they're on offense, and that's just pressure, 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 pressure. And it's so hard to play against it. And I think one thing too is I think I'm not gonna say lackadaisical, but I'm gonna say not as urgent on defense. For, from the lighting throughout this, uh, prior to the, the uh, Ranger series, because Vasilevsky was so good and they know how good he is. It was kind of like they were like play the standard defense and then like let him do his thing so they can get a breakaway or like use speed to get back down. And I think it's just not working with the Rangers. They're just too mentally disciplined and they're too, too sound and they play very well as a unit. They play as a very well team. Um, I do think the Lightning win today. And if they don't, it's over. There's like this is the most make or break game. It's today at three o'clock. Obviously, it'll be out by the time this pod's out. But um, <clears throat> I think that that game is uh, going to be one. It's hard to be lightning in Tampa. Um, I just – I really don't – I they got to start scoring, man. Six, six to yeah. two. Bad. They got to start scoring. The defense needs to start playing. Like, they got to score. They got, I don't know what it is. Not having great points sucks. But, like, obviously, it didn't affect the, the Panther series, you know. Yeah. I, I just <clears> – I don't know, man. It's going to be hard. So before we hopped on this call, I was very fortunate enough to sit down with Mama Watts um, and her friend, and they've been watching a lot of hockey recently. So I wanted to get their insight of the series because I really wanted to get some expertise because, you know, my hockey isn't all there. But what we garnered, um, the Rangers are playing well above expectation, um, especially right now. I know uh, Gallant's a great coach um, since coming over. He's really sparked this fucking team, especially in the playoffs. Um, they're rolling. Um, I think coming off that 3-1 series, like you said, going seven games, coming all the way back, like that lights a fire under you and that keeps you moving. Um, if you're playing that hot, especially um, from the other side, like for the Lightning, if you're coming up a team like that, coming up against a team like that, and you just had nine days off, uh, yeah, you were going to get a gut check very fast. Um, I do agree with what you said about game two. They're just not scoring enough. Um I thought they would have taken game two, especially after the gut check in game one. I mean, Vasilevsky, who's been your hero um, these last couple of years, he, he's been getting dominated. But that's not entirely his fault, especially when the entire fucking period happens within your own half of the ice. Like, that just can't happen. One of the biggest things um, for the Rangers, I think, you have Igor playing lights-out defense. He's an all-world goaltender. Um, the Lightning just can't seem to get it going on him. Shots just aren't falling. Um like you said, scored in the opening two minutes of game two, and then you just can't get nothing going the rest of the game. I mean, I know it's hard when you got a guy in that that's playing the best fucking game of his life. Um, shit happens. But at the same time, you want to look at the Rangers um, with their kid line, um, especially since implementing it. So for the people that don't know what the kid line is for the Rangers, um, it's a trio of players. We have Alexis uh, Lafreniere. We have Philippe Kittle and Capo Caco. Now, with these three so far, just in the postseason, um, they spent 115 minutes with five on five. And I'm just reading off some of these stats. Um, they've been the best line for the Rangers. Over 50% mark and total top uh, shot attempt share, scoring chances out of this world, high danger chances, the whole nine. They've got it all. Um, I definitely think, though, the Lightning, since they're back-to-back champs, are going to wake up today and show who the fuck they are. I mean, you don't win back-to-back titles without being top dog. so. Um, I would hate to, for them to go down 3-0 because if that's the case, I'm feeling a little 4-0 sweep back in. I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it. That was, that was a bad year. 
Um, but yeah, John Cooper usually has his team in order. Um, I don't know what's missing from this series. I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, if things are going to change, they're going to change now. So let's hope for a lightning winning game three. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's just, let's go Bolts, baby. Let's go Bolts. Go Bolts. I can't watch them lose again. It's going to make me sad. Yeah, moving on from that, we got moving a on, huge announcement in 1FC, one fighting championship in Asian MMA League. It's very prestigious. Adriano Marias is fighting Demetrius Johnson in a rematch. And for people that don't know about this, uh, Adrian, so Demetrius Johnson was uh, the flyweight champion of the world in UFC. He was the king. He ran it. He was the only flyweight champion in the world until that controversial loss against Henry Cejudo, which then he that was his last UFC fight. Then in the first ever MMA trade, Ben Askren and Demetrius Johnson got traded from 1FC to UFC and they got exchanged. Demetrius Johnson then goes into the – so arguably the GOAT of MMA, by the way, Demetrius Johnson, goes on to the 1FC Grand Prix and, and, and wins the world, the world Championship Grand Prix there, then fights Adrian Marias for the, the Bantamweight Championship of the World. What, what is the Grand Prix? The Grand Prix Again? Is a, it's a tournament. So it's like it's like instead of being like the world like instead of being a state champ, be like the Saladino champ. Like like it's a really prestigious tournament. And how he, long is like the tournament? I, I think it was sixteen fighters. So was, he had to win four fights. Oh damn! Not in one Shit. sitting. Not in one sitting. It's, Obviously, yeah. yeah. And then um, he won that, and then he fought Adrian Marias, who then knocked him out with a grounded knee uh, in the second round. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It is one of the most like. It's 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 like gruesome to watch, like the knee. It sounds it sounds like a baseball hitting a bat. Like it's like, oh man, it's it's hard to watch. But grounded knees are legal in Asia and in one uh, FC, so it, it was cool to do it. But like it's just like hard to watch, man. It's one of those reasons why I'm glad that it's not legal here. Um, then Adrian Marias ended up fight, defending his belt and and again winning submission. And then Demetrius Johnson did a open fight, open rules fight with um with Rodatang, who's like the Muay Thai goat. And they did, it was uh, one round of Muay Thai, one round of MMA, one round of Muay Thai, one round of MMA. And then Demetrius Johnson obviously submitted him in the first round of MMA. And now they're fighting again, I think August 27th in Singapore. It's going to be very electric. Um, to me, like I said- Wait, he's fighting Rodatang again? No, no, no. He's no. fighting Rodatang again? Rias versus Demetrius Rias. Johnson for the world title. Okay. Second fight. Okay. Um, it's going to be extremely fun to watch. If you if you want to upgrade your MMA knowledge and, and know that there's that there's world class fighters and other organizations as well, you're going to want to check it out. Um, they just got bought yeah. out by Amazon, so they're going to start having their fights on Amazon. And it's a uh, it's about to be it's it's going to be a great fight, and it's going to be huge uh, implications on the line. It, Demetrius Johnson's goat status is on the line. Like being the best MMA fighter of all time is honestly on the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. We'll do better on our part. We're going to get that uh, highlight of the grounded knee up on our Twitter um, by the time this is posted. So for you guys tuning in, if you want to see that, we'll just link you over to our Twitter. Um, Rod Tang, though, that fight was actually really interesting to me because when I found out about Rod Tang, especially in Muay Thai, he already had over 250 wins before even turning 21. I mean, this guy is the definition of a grit fighter. Like this man just loves yeah, this man just loves to fight. And if you've never seen his video, um, like I said, we'll probably post a highlight video of it. This man just eats punches and kicks for breakfast. Like, I could barely handle chocolate frosted mini wheats, and this man ate steel kicks for days. Just yeah. no care in the world. 15. Um, DJ, 
definitely, like you said, one of the goats in the sport. Um, I do have him winning the rematch versus Marias. I think Marias is a great fighter, obviously, but when I put DJ in the goat conversation, he's got to do some goat shit. So um, I definitely think he'll win the rematch. Um, no disrespect to Marias, but um, DJ is just a little higher up there. Yeah, Marias so. is UFC world class caliber too. Like it's not like DJ's fighting a shittier guy. Like Marias fights at American Top Team. Like he's a straight up murderer. Like he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Outside of that. Moving on to some ESPN blunders. Oh, by the way, um, guys, flyweight, not bantamweight. I, I said bantamweight in the beginning. It's the bantamweight weight, like 135, but it's the flyweight division because in the 1FC, all the weight classes are bumped up. Oh, really? Yeah. So flyweight is 125, but in in, in 1FC, it's 135. And then bantamweight's 145. Why do, you, why do you think that is? They want to eliminate weight cut. They do hydration mm. tests, like – Listen, all I'm saying is you can people are gonna find ways to cut weight no matter what you do. They just are. Like the wrestling's been trying to implement it all forever. Like people are gonna find ways to do it. It's just safer. And and yeah. a lot of the fighters like it more if they don't have to cut weight anymore. Because they're all 125 fighters that are just like, yo, we're not cutting weight. And they just fight 35. Yeah. Cause I mean I don't know. I don't like seeing some guys cut as much as they do. Like when we watch those documentaries with some of the fighters going through their weight cuts, like I feel like they're putting themselves through far worse than they should be to fight. Like you're around a certain weight for your body for a reason, like, and you trying to break the limit just so you can fight people who you think won't be as strong or as fast as you. Like, I, I don't really like it, but then again, like I can't speak from their experience. Like they all obviously do it for a reason. Yeah. But the thing is, so, is like you can't diss the sport of MMA for that because no one's making you do that. You can fight at your own. Oh way. yeah. Colby oh, yeah. fights at his own weight. DC went up the heavyweight to fight at his own weight. Like, Darren Till went up to 85. Like, you can fight your own weight. No one's making you. Like, if, like and I don't yeah. feel sorry for those people at all. I don't. Oh, yeah. You're, you're choosing to cut that weight. Will it be a little bit harder going up a weight class? Absolutely. But that's fucking life. Like, it's not easy. But don't, yeah. don't, don't be like, I cut too much weight. You chose to cut that weight. And now, might it suck? It might suck ass. But you still chose to do that. No one made you cut that weight. Yeah. You know? It's moving. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Rounding that up, moving into our last topic of the day. We had a little blunder at ESPN during regional action of baseball. And I think it's very important for us to talk about this is, you know, media journalists. One of the first things we're taught in college is accuracy and truthfulness. You know, we're in such a big time right now, especially with misinformation and disinformation and trying to get all the right things out and make sure we're always right about everything. Well, this past game, uh, it was during a Missouri State-Oklahoma State uh, regional matchup. Um, during the game, the broadcasters brought up a story that was all rumors and speculations. Like, none of this had been proven. Nothing that was said about it was factual. They just brought up that one of the players for Tennessee, uh, Evan Russell, uh, missed the game because he got caught for performance-enhancing drugs. And he would be suspended for the rest of the season. And then the team was being tested. And they went out and said all this. And then literally everyone was like, that didn't happen. The coach came out and their post-game presser after the game, head coach for Tennessee, and said Evan Russell had missed the game due um, to an illness. Now, whether it be food poisoning, whatever, I don't know if they've specified that, but it had nothing to do with PEDs. I think they said it had something um, to do in relation to like throwing up and diarrhea. Yeah. Pretty sure. Regardless. And like, I'm not saying that's factual. I'm saying that's what I think yeah. they said. Yes. 
regardless of all that, this cannot happen, especially at a place like ESPN. You are regarded as the leader in worldwide sports. Like you follow every sport, you get the facts out. You're supposed to be the information people trust. And you completely just defamed and tarnished this kid's name on national television all because of rumors. Like these are things that like, just because it was said one time, like one time on air, someone's going to hear that. And without even looking it up, they're just going to go to his Instagram and talk, like talk shit about him and talk down on him. This is a man that's done everything he's can, everything he's can for the Tennessee program to put them where they are, put his heart out for the team. And they're just slandering him saying he's taking performance enhancing drugs and Tennessee's cheating and all this shit. Like why does it, why, why are we doing this? And why is this happening? Like, I, I I don't understand. I have a couple opinions on this. The first is, uh, how unprofessional they are to even be bringing up a player on a team that's not even playing in the game that they're announcing. That's extremely unprofessional. It shows that they're bored or whatever. You should be talking about the players that are, you're, you're, you're talking, that you're watching. Like, that's the whole point of being a broadcaster for that game. You're not an analyst. You're not having your own show. You're, you're announcing a game. And the second thing is your job when you're ESPN is to try to glorify the athletes as much as you can. That's your, that's your job. If all the athletes sucked, Nobody would have any interest and then there'd be no point in you covering them. So why are you down talking? And then this is where I'm going to go with the third point. You're down talking a, a kid, a fucking kid in order to get likes and be like, look at the journalist. I am look at this breaking news I had when you don't even know it's true. Like, like you're trying to use a, a untruthful story to, to down, like talk down on a kid who's worked his ass off and done everything right that we know of so far to get to where he's at just for you to sound cool and, and, and get likes and, and, people post shit on you, you know, like, so like, I'm not a fan of that. That's so bad. Like, why would you do that? Like, what do you gain out of that? Like, yeah. You know what else is also crazy? Cause this just hit me while you were talking about that. Whether they warranted it or not, this affects his NIL value. No, like, teams are going to be, teams yeah. are going to be a little more reluctant to not like maybe offer as much money or give him something just because he has these speculations surrounding. It doesn't have to be true at all. Like we see this with, um, players a lot and i'm not saying this doesn't happen but there are some players that get falsely accused of certain sexual misconducts and they end up paying their lives for it and like i'm not trying to relate the two but like in the same face like this guy's just getting defamed and like slandered for no reason like this is going to impact him and even though we can acknowledge even though we can acknowledge um it isn't true and that it was a lie like it was still said and put out there like it's not just going to be like oh like not not everyone's going to forget about that. Like not everyone's going to follow that up and know the truth. So the fact that it even got out um, really pissed me off, but yeah, I mean, I really wanted to bring it up just because I wanted to get your opinions on it. And especially from our fans, like, what do you guys think about it? You know, when you see shit like this happen in the media, like, what do you think the response should be? Should ESPN come out with the follow-up on it? You know, how is this going to affect Evan's career? Um, but yeah, these are all things that I think are worth talking about, especially in sports. It's just so, it's just another example that there's no ethics and morals in media. None. There's not. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, you know, guys. That's what we're here for. We make Thanks we make sure it happens. You're listening. Clocks on the motherfucking stove. Instagram, Twitter, everything. We got it all. Check us out. Show some love. If you know Sponsor guys, sell the glasses. Tell them we're we're doing glasses inside trend. All right. Thank yeah. you. Lucky Charms, if you need anything sponsorship related, I got you for pitch ideas. Fitzmagic, I promise. Million dollars. Just give me like 10%. Deuces.